To serve great food is to create memories for your customers. But it takes more than luck. It takes consistency, creativity, and the drive to see things through. And every day, the stakes are high, which means it's time to stand up from your computer and start getting real. To own your kitchen is to own your bottom line. This is the real world. And now... This is the real world. And now... This is the real world. And now is the time to foodify your business. Welcome to our podcast episode, It's a Philly Thing. Today, we're breaking down the cost difference and quality of fresh versus frozen cheesesteaks. As you know, cheesesteaks are a staple of Philadelphia cuisine, and now we're excited to dive into this topic. We'll be discussing the pros and cons of using fresh versus frozen meats and how it can impact the final product. So grab a cheesesteak and get ready to learn. Welcome back to the F Your Business podcast. We are back in the kitchen with... Scott Fisher and Chris Diagostino. We're cooking up uh, cheesesteaks today. Do you guys want to tell us a little bit about what's happening in the kitchen? Yeah, you hear the sizzle of those steaks? I definitely hear the sizzle, Chris. Chris is doing a heck of a job behind the grill. We figured, you know, from going from fresh versus frozen pizzas and burgers that, you know, being in Philadelphia, it is time to hit the cheesesteak. Absolutely, we have to. So, so, Chris, what do you got going on over here? Well, so we have what all the cheesesteak, all the good cheesesteak places use, which is the ribeye. And we also have what pizzerias use, which is the frozen. And as we're cooking it here, you can see all the water coming out of the frozen, and you're losing weight right away. Yeah, I think that was the beginning. We looked at the price, you know, like we've been doing, um, you know, fresh versus frozen. When you got the cheesesteak meat, it was really about the same price. I mean, we were within pennies of uh, per exactly. pound, the same price for, you know, the, the fresh ribeye steak that you, you know, picked up this morning. Right. And then the frozen steak that you also picked up, but we don't know how long it was frozen, frozen for. Um, <laughs> But I think that you know what we'll see is is you know once we're done cooking the meat, that that pr that, that price per pound is going to change because we're not we're going to lose a lot of water weight. Um, so that that's going to be the first start of it is seeing where where we're off after that. That's right. And, and we're going to do like we normally do. We're going to have about ten to twelve people taste them and let us know where where we're at. What do they like better? All right, all right, Chris, well, let's get the, the, the Philadelphia cheesesteak debate out of the way. Are you a Pat's or a Geno's guy? Neither. <laughs> all right. If, if you had to pick one of those two, and then you can give us your favorite. If I had to pick one of the two, I've been a Geno's guy uh, back in the past. All right, so give us your top Philadelphia cheesesteak place then. Mine's is Phillips on 24th and Passion. That's my favorite. All right, cool. Best in the city. Well, while you're uh, doing some cooking, we figured we would give a little history of the Philly cheesesteak. Um, and it's from Philly because that's where it started. Um, right also, on Street. Yeah, legend says it that Pat and Harry Oviary, am I saying that right, Chris? Oliveri. Oliveri. You know, we're, we're running a hot dog stand. Um, and Pat one day made a, you know, we were working on some new sandwiches. Wanted to make a grilled beef and onion sandwich no cheese at that time so their original cheesesteak didn't have cheese 
Um, that was around the 1930s. And then from there, a cab driver saw him eating it, looked good, asked if he could have one, and that's sort of how it began uh, the transition from a hot dog stand to obviously now the famous Pat's cheesesteaks. Um, and really, provolone cheese was added by a manager in the 1940s. So really, until the 1940s, it was just a meat sandwich or steak sandwich uh, with no, with no cheesesteak, with no real cheesesteak yet. Um, it wasn't until the 1950s that they started adding cheese with to it. Um, and then, I know you said you like Geno's better than Pat's. Geno's came around in the 1960s. Um, and opened right across from Pat's so they could have the friendly cheesesteak wars of Philadelphia. That's one of the stories I've heard growing up. There's, there's a few of them. There's all different stories of how it came about. Yeah, I feel like any other legendary item Right, there's a lot of versions on how it got there, how it came to us. Um, Can we find that? All right, Chris, so tell us what the logistics are for a good cheesesteak. Well, for me, at the end of the cheese, at, when the cheesesteak's ready, and you lay the cheese on top of the steak, you put the roll over it for a few seconds, let that roll steam. That makes a great cheesesteak. Also, I like the fresh steak better simply because it fries on the grill and doesn't boil in the water from the frozen. There's a huge difference to that. So those are the two most important things to me. I don't know what Scott thinks. Yeah, and that's what, you know, as we're talking here and you guys aren't really seeing it, but that's what we're looking at is, is both are on the same grills. Um, you know, the fresh one's cooking nicely. You're getting a really nice sear on it. Um, but with that frozen one, like Chris said, it's almost cooking in its own water, which is going to give a little more boiling effect, and it's not going to—you're just—it's not going to give you that kind of sear. It's not going to give you that flavor that we're probably going to see as we taste test both of them, I would think. And the frozen takes much longer to cook. Yeah. So just like that burger we saw last week is that you know we're, we're probably looking at the, the fresh one. I would say, Chris, what a couple minutes we we, we cook that up maybe. It's tops three minutes. Tops three, frozen one still going. I mean, I think we're coming on about five minutes. Let's see what you got. And it's not done yet. Yeah, we're probably about five minutes in on that, and it's still got a couple minutes to go yet. So it does take time when they're frozen. Just like the burgers, you got to cook the water out. It takes time. It's steaming. It's steaming the steak instead of searing the steak. You know, it's everything I don't like about it. But pizzerias and steak shops sell a lot of frozen steaks, so there are some people that like it. And that's okay. I just don't. And then back to the, you know, we'll see once we start taste testing and getting other people's opinions here in the office. Um, but I think that that myth of it's harder to do fresh. It's harder to get it in. It's harder to prep. It's more expensive. Right. It's more expensive, and that's what we're doing right now. We're weighing out a couple portions, um, so we can we can really see what that shrinkage um, is going to look like. Um, you know, per an ounce per ounce basis with the cheesesteaks fresh versus frozen. So. All right. So I'm excited about this week's episode. Uh, Chris, tell us about the cheesesteak. All right. So. We knew this was going to be a real challenge because a lot of people eat the frozen cheesesteaks. That's what the local pizzerias have and your local uh, sandwich shop on the corner. 
So we knew it was going to be tough. So we went out and we bought a good brand of frozen steaks. Uh, Scott, you want to read those ingredients? <clears throat> yeah. So they consist of beef, water, and modified food starch product, chunked, formed, and sliced. How about that? That's what we got. There you go. That's your frozen <laughs> steak. And not uh, a steak. We didn't get a steak or anything like this. This is legit right. frozen, right? It's a good one. This is the one everybody's using. Uh, majority of the people anyway. So then we went and we got uh, fresh ribeye, which was mm. sliced down by the butcher, which is what the bigger all cheesesteak places are using today. And it's not the same ribeye that, that you would buy at your butcher that's sitting in the case. It's called a utility ribeye. So it's not as good of a cut, but it's still very good. And it's less expensive than what the prime choice would cost. But it works fine as you know, we taste it today. Uh, comparing them by price. Oh, Scott, what's the ingredients in the prime rib? The ribeye? The ingredients for the prime rib? That was just the, the, the beef, right? You just gave me the... That's it, just beef, right? Just beef. I didn't see any water. You didn't pour any water on it. I didn't see anything added. <laughs> that was it. Okay, just beef. Just wanted to make sure. Just to so, be clear. <laughs> yeah. So uh, before we get into the cost and all that, uh, you know, while while we were cooking it, you know, we had them on two separate uh, grills so we could see. The frozen one kind of boils in its own water. Where the the fresh ribeye is actually searing, and it's making a great steak. Uh, you know that was my feeling anyway. How about you, Scott? Yeah, that's what we noticed. I said it was you might as well put that other meat in a pan of you know a pot of boiling water and let it cook. You know, it, it just you weren't getting the same color of the steak. You weren't getting the same sear from the grill. So I think it was definitely looking at it was very noticeable once it started cooking through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, if, you know, again, before we get into the cost, a, a couple things that, you know, I think makes a great steak. One is uh, <clears throat> you let the roll sit on top of the steak on the grill for 10 seconds or so just to help steam it a little bit. So that's one. When I see people that don't do that, I know the steak's not going to be as good. Uh, two, uh, I like fried onions on my steak, but I like diced fried onions, not the ones they do on the slicer real thin. And they they put them in your steak raw and let them cook while the steak's cooking. The other ones are cooked previously, but they're cooked. They still got a little bite. And soon as soon as you order the steak, the onions go down, the steak goes on top, and they let it sit for a few minutes so that onion flavor is cooking in. That's why you get fried onions. So those are a couple of my little pet peeves with it. Uh, but most of the places I go to, actually all the places I go to, do it the way I like it. That's why I continue to go to them. <laughs> You know, uh, so the cost, so the frozen and the fresh buying a bite of pound is virtually the same. There was no difference in price. Wow. Right. Uh, and the pairs we were finding fresh was much cheaper. But where the difference came in is we cooked. Uh, Scott has the measurements. We cooked the fresh and we cooked the frozen and then we reweighed them. So yeah. Scott could let you know what we found out there. Yeah, I think that was the biggest difference. So like Chris said, when we started off, you know. I think people sometimes think that fresh is going to be, you know, more expensive. But like I said, this time it wasn't cheaper. They were the same. We're about $24 for five pounds. Um, so for, you know, we wanted to kind of even the playing field. Um, 
So we measured 8.3 ounces of each one. Just that's how the frozen oil was portioned. Um, and then after cooking it was the biggest surprise. So after we cooked the fresh steak, that <clears throat> 8.3 ounces uh, turned into 6.8 ounces. So we, wow. we, we lost about a ounce, one and a half ounces on the yield, which would make sense. You know, we're cooking it down. But the frozen one went from 8.3 ounces all the way down to 5.2 ounces. Wow. So an extra 1.6 ounces you lost, like we just talked about, all that water weight. So, you know, as we start really digging into, you know, all right, so that that, that five pound fresh, we could basically get 11 cheesesteaks out of it. The five pounds of frozen, we only can get eight. So that's when we start talking about per unit, right? A fresh cheesesteak, a fresh cheesesteak before we add cheese and before we add the roll is going to cost us two eighteen for the meat, while the frozen one's going to be $3 for that portion. Wow. So that's where that big difference is going to come in that, again, the fresh is saving the operator a lot of money and really can help with that food cost that we kind of keep reverting back to um, because of that, because after you're cooking it down, um, you know, the loss, or if you're either way, or if you're giving them the same portion, you're just giving a lot less meat on your product. Right. So depending on how you want to do it, right. You're either going to give them less per, you know, less portion size. Um, so if you started both with 8.3 ounces, someone's getting a cheesesteak that has 6.0 ounces of meat. Someone's getting 5.2. There's a lot more value add on that. So. Well, and how easy would it then be to use more of the frozen to get to that end result, which I think is why this is such an important exercise to really say, like, let's dig into one menu item, because I think I know from talking to people like last year, especially when product was hard to get, like frozen was such a great option because you could get it, you could buy it in bulk, you could get it for a guaranteed price instead of the fluctuation. But unless you've redone this as an exercise in your own kitchen, you wouldn't even realize the difference in yield. So I'll tell you, growing up, during my teen years, I worked in a pizza shop. We made cheesesteaks. We were using the frozen, uh, pretty much the same ones that we use today. And they're sheeted out, like you said, 8.3 ounces. We would use one and then a quarter of another one. And I worked there for many years uh at one point the owner said this is when all the bigger cheesesteak shops were going to the ribeye he said let's try it you know let's wait let's do it. and we actually did this exercise there and we went to the fresh after that uh-huh. yeah and he still sells fresh today he's still in business and still selling fresh so you know once you do the exercise it shows to you that it's definitely a money saver and going to put money to your bottom line yeah and to your top line, because people are going to love the steaks and they're <laughs> going to keep ordering. <laughs> yeah. So what was the, who won the competition? The fresh one, but I'll let Chelsea take it from here. <laughs> so this one, it was very interesting because one, like the presentation, it was very similar. It was very hard to tell a difference in, you know, which one was the fresh and which one was the frozen. Um, but then once everybody started eating them, they found that it was, you know, a difficult choice. So all in all, the tally came out to six fresh and four frozen. So 60% of the people preferred the fresh, but, you know, it was a surprising 40% that chose the frozen. 
So when we cook, when I cooked them, I wanted to make sure they did look alike. So you couldn't tell them a difference. So you normally want to really chop up the ribeye, but I did. So it matched the frozen and you could tell them apart because one looks like cardboard and one don't, but because they were chopped, <laughs> people thought they looked similar and, 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 you know, 40% to go the other way, which I'm not surprised because that's is what most people are used to. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, that's what I, I was yeah. going to say. Also, I think it's not, you know, sometimes when you're eating it, you know, when you're looking at better or worse, your, your, your mind goes to not better or worse. It's what I'm used to having. And I think that's mm-hmm. what kind of proves out the point a little bit that even in the greater Philadelphia area where cheesesteaks are, you know, right. The you know, worn and, and, and exactly <laughs> that people are still used to, um, eating that frozen product because of a lot of the, you know, restaurants or bars, whether it's maybe a chain restaurant or, you know, a bar that's not as focused on their food and that's what they're serving. So, um, you know, I think we could, we saw that on the tally. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the frozen is, it, it, it's, it's good. I mean, I ate many of them, you know, out late one night, grab a cheesesteak from where you can. And so I how late, them. Chris, how late and what were you doing before that? I just want to know. You know, <laughs> uh, you know I don't want to wake up with a hangover. So I'm okay. Get, you know. All right. <laughs> so, you know, cheesesteaks over the years, the product that they use have changed. Uh, way back when I was a kid, you know, mid seventies, I remember going to get cheesesteaks with my father. They used a ribeye back then. And they use that for a while. And then, you know, somebody wants to up everybody. They started using something called a knuckle, which the knuckle is a great piece of meat, but it's so big that it's hard to slice. And it's dangerous because you do got to chill it. So it gets a little bit of, of a frozen, you know, outer layer to it. And it gets slippery and it was really hard to slice, but it was a great steak. So they had to get away from that because it was just too difficult. And somebody decided, I'm going to use a ribeye. And now everybody's following and using the ribeye, which I think is the best of them all. It's got a little fat in it. It tastes great. You know, there's definitely, that's a little history of how it's evolved over the years. And I'm sure down the road, somebody will start using something else. Like some people now use filet tips and they make a filet cheesesteak, which is good. It's so tender, but there's no fat in that either. So it is a little dry. So I don't see that taking over. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about, is there a prep difference? Is there more work with the fresh versus the frozen? <laughs> he's still, uh, after, after we taste tested it, we had some, uh, some peppers on there. I think he's still feeling the, the hot peppers. He's got a he pepper seed. Um, he's got a pepper seed. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think, again, I don't think it was any prep difference, right, Chris? I mean, if anything, the prep on the frozen one was a little bit harder. Well, I mean, there'll be a little prep, like if you want to slice them down yourself, which, you know, uh, like we we're talking earlier, Gino's, Pat's, Phillips, you know, places like that, Prince, all, all, all these guys, they slice it themselves. But it's not, it doesn't take a ton of time. You know, you, you have to, you know, trim it, wrap it, freeze it a little bit, get a chill on it. You know, it doesn't sit in the freezer overnight. It sits in there a couple hours, just enough to get the chill so you, it could slice on the slicer without tearing. So really, that's all it is. So there is a little more labor involved in pulling it, pulling a box out and trying to fight the piece of paper off it. So there is a little more labor involved. So the cost probably is almost very similar to mm-hmm. frozen and fresh. But uh, I just think it's worth the difference. Yeah. 
Well, plus I think the biggest thing that we found to me, the aha is the yield. So if nothing else, you're getting a much more consistent yield out of fresh versus frozen because that water weight and things, additives, things like that. I mean, I think we all know that's only going to get worse, not better because <laughs> the, they have to yeah. make a margin too. I mean, that right. to me is the other aha is like, you know, yeah. you're now dealing with a company that's going to make money off of your wholesale. And, you know, there's just like another layer, whereas fresh, it's just meat. It is what it is. Right. Yeah. Well, I think the fresh is definitely, you know, you're still saving money. You're putting more money to your bottom line and you're not eating some of those uh, ingredients of whatever they were in, in that state, which I would prefer not to. I never, believe it or not, all these years, I never read the ingredients until today. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm really going to just stop and buy one again. Yeah, like, oh, I'll just get a steak here. I don't know if I will now, just because I don't know what's, you know, I don't know what that is. You form what and so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you said that was I, one of the nicer ones that you picked up too. So it, it was one of the more cleaner time. ones. It had the less ingredients and uh, most people were grabbing that box. Yeah. So if you were to add cheesesteak to your menu, say you're someone who's not in Philly and thinking about, you know, cheesesteak for the first time, uh, what do you feel like is that, you know, average customer that loves cheesecake do you think this is something that everybody eats do you think it's um you know a certain type of customer well I, I think it's something everybody eats uh look at the lines at Gino's Pat's uh Phillips and all these other places 90 percent of those people online are not from the city right they're in town for you know they came to watch an Eagles game uh, but they're from Kansas City or they're from St. Louis they all know about the cheesesteak and they they all want to try and eat it so if you were somewhere else in the country and decide to do that, I think it would be a, a, just a smash. I think people will go crazy for it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see it losing. Yeah. Well, plus like you just said, that brings up, you know, a good like marketing, even if you're not going to add this permanently, could you add it, you know, for like a fall football game, if your team's playing the Eagles, <laughs> you know, sure. absolutely. You could, you know, I, I would just say one thing, if they were ever to do it, Never advertise it as a Philly cheesesteak. Just advertise it as a cheesesteak. Because as soon as I see Philly cheesesteak, I'm out. Oh, no. Yeah, it has to be cheesesteak. That's it. And everybody says the same thing. As soon as I see Philly cheesesteak, I'm out. It has to just be, just advertise it as a cheesesteak. Like, you know what you're doing. Oh, no. That's a good point. Well, then you can do whatever you want with it, right? You can you, you can you can add different ingredients. You kind of make it your own. Whatever. I think, like you said, when you say Philly cheesesteak, the expectations from a a, mm -hmm. a customer, a guest, is like, oh, that should taste like the Philly one, and it's going to probably be hard the one to match that you're getting in, you know, downtown Philadelphia. So mm -hmm. just call it cheesesteak. Add the whatever ingredients you want to make it, you, you know, yours, your own touch to it. Pizza steak, or which is know, my favorite. Oh, there you go. Mm -hmm. Love a pizza steak, usually what I look for, uh, you know. So th there are a lot of different steaks out there. You know, we were talking about the cheese earlier, how it started. Uh, first cheese on a steak was provolone. That, you know, mm -hmm. there was no cheese. And then they added provolone, and that was all you could get at first. And then at some point, uh, Scott was looking it up. What was it, 1950 is when the cheese whiz came in to play. <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't until the fifties that someone someone decided because it was yeah. quicker, basically, right? You know, same reason why, uh, you know, yep. you're, quicker, uh, cheaper. Yeah, yeah, it's in a can. Set it on the grill. 
little they used to have a wooden a piece of wood in there it was like it wasn't a wooden spoon it was just a straight piece of wood and they used to take it and slap it on, on top of the roll and then put it on top of the steak and flip it yeah that, that was the that was the whiz uh now that they make them all different kinds uh one of the most popular is taking off right now is the cooper sharp everybody mm-hmm. wants their steak with a cooper sharp you know mm-hmm. so it, you know, it keeps changing. Uh, there's different favorites, but if you were to do it, have fun with it. I mean, everything you do with you, man, you should have fun with it. You know, make it yours. Uh, have something that nobody else has. This way, you know, they want to come to you for that. You know, and, and you know, also, I don't think your menu should should be enormous. You know, pick the items you do great and do them. Mm-hmm. I think uh, for anyone listening to who's not from Philadelphia, Chris, you gotta you gotta give them the one minute version on how to how to order a cheesesteak if they're in Philadelphia, <laughs> right? We don't want them coming looking like a you know tourist or you know a rookie. So so you're in uh, Philadelphia, you like a, it's like a ten second uh, <laughs> class here. It, it's not much to it. So if you want a cheesesteak with whatever kind of cheese you want, American, provolone, whiz. You say that first. So it would be a, a whiz with. The with is onions. If you want American, it's a it's American without. That means you're not getting onions. So it it's with or without and whatever ever whatever cheese you want. It's that simple. You know, I usually when I'm out, it's just simple. It's a whiz with. <laughs> I, I I don't uh, you know, I normally don't play around and get different cheeses at that time in the night. I just go for the <laughs> old staple. <laughs> so whiz wit. Yeah. So is that simple? You know, practice <laughs> awesome. that. Practice I agree that with you. That's how I'm ordering mine the same way. <laughs> same way. Whiz with. Easy. Whiz with. Yep. All right. Practice while you're in line. What you want to say is so you go up to the window, you can knock it out real quick. <laughs> I actually seen people doing that. <laughs> yeah, they want to fit in. They want to be like, I'm from here. I, I could order a cheesesteak. Yeah, because the, the people the people at the window can make you feel a little intimidated. You know, someone get mad too to, to slam the window on you until you get until you get it right. <laughs> I know. I've seen that happen. They're a little they're a little tough. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, this was an awesome experiment. I think there's so many great lessons here, both with trying something new, um, like I said, having fun with it being aware of yields, especially in your frozen products and, you know, revisiting some of those recipe cards. If you've changed and added frozen where you once had fresh, you know, it takes what, 20 minutes to redo the recipe card and just, you know, go through it, make sure the numbers still make sense. You know, I think what we're finding is these are small changes, but they can have a big impact on the bottom line, as well as like you said, the top line, if it's a product people love, they're going to come back and they're going to tell their friends. And and that's what we want to do. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This was awesome. I think uh, I think we're definitely showing people how to foodify their business. Absolutely. It was, it was a lot of fun. This podcast is sponsored by the Largo Group. Thanks for joining us this week on F Your Business podcast. Whether you're a restaurant owner, chef, brewery owner, or bartender, we believe everyone in the hospitality industry deserves access to the knowledge and tools they need to succeed. Be sure to visit our website, fyourbusinessmovement.com, to subscribe to the podcast and stay up to date on current offerings.